To all Venn alumni and friends, this is Julia and Sam Bloor welcoming you to Venn Lockdown Radio. Yes, welcome back to another program of Lockdown Radio. Gosh, these weeks are flying by quite fast. They are, and this is a short one, which is probably what's contributing to that feeling. True, true. <laughs> one of the things that we do around the dinner table each week for Meals with the Fellows is highlights and lowlights of the week. Yes. What's been one of your highlights? Oh, I feel like I've had a great week, actually. I, I, I think I've got a lot of highlights. I can't think of any lowlights. One of my highlights definitely would have been having a Passover meal on Thursday night after watching The Prince of Egypt with the kids. That was a oh, good, yes. a good Go evening. Go elements of that. Yes. Explaining it to them. Um, another one, uh, Sam and I hosted a radio show, <laughs> funnily enough, on News Talk ZB on Friday morning with CBA. Drove down Dominion Road, which was completely empty, very bizarre. Yes, no doubt some of you will have been having similar experiences of being around town, driving to either work if you're part of essential services or just getting to the supermarket and just seeing... Nothing. Like, we just saw the CBD <laughs> completely in so desolation. But one of the things that sort of seemed to take over the three-hour radio show was um, the fact that Sam and I explained that we weren't able to buy any flour or any baking powder at the supermarket. That was one of our lowlights. And so many people texted in and phoned in with their suggestions around what you could um, use to replace baking powder. And what the ratios were for cream of tartar. And, and baking soda. Baking soda. So there were all together. these different... It got quite, almost quite heated, didn't it? With people getting... No, my grandmother knows. My grandmother knows. And so it's all settled. It's one teaspoon of this and two teaspoons of that. And then someone wrote in and said something about baking soda and lemon juice. And that just created a whole new argument. It was, yeah, it was And another highlight. highlight was getting to interview Susie Cato. It's our time. Kia ora It's our time. A special time of day, it's our time, just you and me together, it's time to say hello, g'day, get to pay your questions. Personally, I found pretty awesome, Got a bit and of a for any of you dancing with the stars bands out there, you'll know what I'm talking about, not that I ever managed to watch the program, but been a big fan of Susie for a long time. Well, those have been our highlights up until now, I think... Now, our highlight, our new highlight of the week can be hosting this program of Lockdown Radio because we've got a fantastic group of people lined up to be chatting to. Yep, we'll be chatting to Nathan in just a moment. We're talking to Paul Gardner this week down in Cambridge. We've got John Fox lined up to have a yarn with. And Bex Dow, who is a good friend. Can't wait to talk to her. And, of course, Liv Byrne at the end of the show today. First of all, as always, Nathan. Hi, Julia, and hello, Sam. G'day, mate. Hey, look, this is pretty funny. We started off with our highlights and lowlights of the week, and then you were emailing me this afternoon to say that what you'd prepared to talk about was a highlight and a lowlight. So there we go. <laughs> You're in theme with a uh, with a fellowship dinner. Yeah, yeah, we're obviously in sync. That's great. <laughs> so what has your highlight been over the last week and your lowlight? Maybe I'll start with my low light. Um, it's always good to start with the low light, I think. <laughs> yeah, and then we can end on the highlight. That's that's yep. a great move. Um, I I really did find it quite challenging on Easter morning to not be with my church family as we were uh, celebrating uh, Christ's resurrection, 
and I was tempted to to try and just press that down and move past it, but I actually decided to to sit with it. Of course, we sang the songs, we heard the scripture, and as best I could, I entered in. But I allowed that that tinge of of not being with my brothers and sisters in Christ um, to sit with me in that, and I think that was the right move. Um, so I did experience. Easter Sunday in a different way this year and it was a bit of a low light um, because of that but I was happy to allow that as a low light to sit alongside the fact that I was embracing Christ's resurrection on Easter Sunday. Hmm. Yeah didn't John Fox capture that wonderfully in that piece over Easter just having to do Easter in this very different kind of setting and frame of mind so well and John being John captured I think both the beauty of that but also the challenges that that sit alongside the fact that we we have to say Christ is risen but we say that um experiencing a kind of isolation when our human hearts are just longing to be together so I really found John's piece uh, quite beautiful yeah we're looking forward to we're going to be chatting to him later on in the program it might sort of nicely segue into my highlight for the week. And at the risk of uh, sounding a bit cliched, I really did love lockdown radio last week. Um, and particularly hearing, hearing the stories uh, from people, I was really moved by the story um, that Ruth Boland shared around oh. her part in the efforts and the way that the fellowship had given her something there to to help her at this time and I felt, felt deeply encouraged by that. So that was a bit of a highlight for the week. Um, our boys are loving lockdown radio, uh, which I'm finding pretty cool as well. So they, um, they're loving it and uh, it's becoming a little bit of a family tradition, although it's only been two episodes. Um, so they're looking <laughs> forward to the third. Oh, you might be listening to Lockdown Radio instead of watching Lego Masters. Hey there, I'm Will Arnett, and I'm on the set of Lego Masters, a new show that I'm hosting for Fox. They said, do you have any Lego? And I said, yeah, I have just a boatload of it. And they said, bring it. And uh, we decided to make a TV show about it. That seems like a lie. So one of the first challenges we have is a Lego colonoscopy, I think. Or did that get cut? That got cut? Okay. I'm glad. I'm glad that got cut. You win it by being the best at Lego. Uh, I'm not sure it's quite bumped off Lego Masters. Yeah, I think you might be talking, talking yourself up a little bit there, Jules. But, but, it's, but it's up there, right? And we've got the time to listen to both. So that's good. Brilliant, mate. Hey, well, Thanks for making the time to chat again. We'll look forward to doing it again next week. Thanks, Sam. And thank you, Julia. Take care. Wait, wait, wait. Batman back in. Forgot to drop the mic. One of the topics that we've been keen to explore in Lockdown Radio is how some alumni are finding work. Obviously, for some, work has changed a lot. They're working from home or work has decreased a lot. But our next guest has actually found that the lockdown has happened at one of the busiest times of their year. Paul Gardner joins us from Cambridge. G'day, mate. How are you guys? Good to be here. <laughs> hey, look, mate, we'll get to your work in a moment, but 
I wanted to hear a little bit about what you've been up to since you went through the fellowship in 2015. Yes, so going back four years now, um, basically up to the uh, fellowship, I went back overseas. So my girlfriend was um, back in California, there, so I went back there. Um, so I worked in the States for a year, and in that time, a um, little old engagement happened, so I managed yes. to persuade her to... <laughs> to take me on yeah the second um, engagement story uh paul we had one almost almost brand new live from ben almost, and kathy yeah <laughs> yeah that's right that's right um yeah so yeah that all happened um came back we were planning the wedding um and yeah so that was beginning of 2018 um in that time so coming back from the states after that year uh, i started with uh my family business Whitehall fruit packers so i've been there ever since um and this is coming up about three years now that I've been with them. So what's your role there and what is it that you do as a business? Yeah, so um, my official title is the business analysis and investment manager. I'm also one of the managing directors as well. So um, as part of that, or the, the, the business itself, um, we basically have been a Kiwi fruit for almost 40 years now. Um, my dad started back in, I think, 75 now. Um, wow. So it's, yeah, kind of a long tradition of, of farming the land, I guess. Um, mm. Not that we do a lot of that now. There's a bit more management level kind of uh, undertaken by, by myself and my brother and my dad. Um, but yeah, we specialize in kiwi fruit and farming. So we have about, uh, we have about 220 hectares of kiwi fruit that we manage as part of that. And um, yeah, about three, three or four different farms that we manage on top of that too. So yeah keeps us busy so give us some idea of the scale of the of the operation there paul yes so um to put it in kind of easy to understand terms we pack about two million trays which is the equivalent of probably about 60 to 70 million pieces of fruit in a year Um, and we are one of maybe 20 pack houses in new zealand that does it so um, yeah, we're about 2 million trays of about 160-odd that are um, produced domestically. Okay. Yeah. And you're doing mainly organic, is that right? Yeah, or right. you're working towards that? Yeah, so we um, we are the largest supplier to Zespri organically. So we, um, all of our gold, uh, sorry, our green is organic and about a third of our gold. Um, wow. So it's kind of part of our ethos and um, how we manage our blocks. We Kind of went down the organic track about 20 years ago um, and haven't really looked back it's um yeah just something that we kind of felt fitted with the business and um kind of our i guess yeah our, our um our bent and our philosophy is kind of towards that um looking after the land and stewarding it um and well and yeah i think growing organically is kind of a, a good way to to do that so mm. yeah i've watched enough country calendar to know that it's not easy going the organic route though is it? Yeah, that's right. Um, strange you should mention that, though. We actually have Country Calendar. Um, they've been filming us. They came in no way. Uh, about three months ago. Yeah, so they did their first shoot then, and then they're coming back in about a month's time, I think, to do this. I'm second. outing myself, outing uh, myself as a Country Calendar fan oh, here, I but love I'm so, so good. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean that's a little treat to kind of keep your eyes out for. I think it'll be later. Yeah. In the year, but, um, oh yeah. man, make sure you let us know when that's on. That's quite exciting. 
And yeah, you were yeah. saying that the in the off season you've got about seventy full time staff. What does that get to in in peak season around now as you're harvesting? Yeah, so um, of the staff we employ um, as a business gets up to about two hundred to two twenty, and we have about seven contract gangs that we'll be employing as part of that too. So um, the numbers can get up over over three hundred um, employees for for the harvest season. So wow, that's quite an increase. Yeah, yeah. So what's lockdown looking like for you? Are you guys an essential service? Yeah, so as a food producer, we are. Um, we got the sign-off from uh, MBIE and MPI. So we have been, yeah, continuing our operation. Um, hasn't really been much of a slowdown, to be fair. It's, uh, it's gone from one thing to the next, and especially with, um, yeah, coming into a busy, busy season. So, um, yeah, taking on all those staff and, the COVID-19 um, lockdown happening literally the week of uh, when we were going to start harvest has certainly um, been an interesting one, but it did oh, give man. us a bit of time to plan for it. So other people had already started harvest. So we had a, a good probably week to, to sort things and plan it. So it did help. What kind of changes have you had to make? Yeah, so a lot of it is um, because having so many staff on the floor, it just means that there's a lot more spacing required. Um, and with that, yeah, it's meant that there's been a reduction in, in production as part of it. So we um, probably are down 25% on what we would normally be running. So it is um, a little bit adverse there. But at the same time, I think we're, we're happy to be uh, producing. And um, yeah, and I guess another part of that is, is to do with the supply chain too. So there's a lot of flow and effects from businesses who you know, aren't considered essential and um, trying to get people over the line as essential supplies to us as well. So it's, yeah, there's a lot of, um, a lot of batting for other businesses to try and get them to be able to supply for us. has been a bit of a work done in the background on that. So um, mm. yeah, it does make it difficult. That's for sure. And what's, who's in your bubble there with you? Is it just the two of you or have you got other people as well? Um, well, it's one of those things. We kind of have a work bubble as well. So we have um, yeah, me and Irene here, obviously, and then um, my immediate family is, is kind of my work bubble as well because, yeah, there's so much work that has to be done together with, with the management aspect of it. So um, kind of a two-part bubble here. Yeah. Hey, mate, well, look, we really appreciate you coming on. I know this is a busy time for you. I know that uh, you've been working long hours, starting early, finishing late. So... Yeah, thanks so much for making the time to, to join us at the end of a long day. Yeah, no, my pleasure. Bex Dow is not only a very good friend of mine, but she is also somebody who has attended several summer conferences um, and, in fact, worked at summer conference one year. Um, she's uh, done the VVP and is also on the board of Venn. So there are multiple reasons to be chatting with you today, Bex. Nice to have you on, Bex. Hi, friends. Thanks for having me. Hey, Bex, tell us what you do when you're not wearing the Venn hats that we've just described. Well, first and foremost, I must say that I love my Ben hat. But yes, I do have a slightly uh, different role in life as well. Um, I wear a bit of an education hat, um, one that is quite varied, really. I work for a consultancy, an education consultancy uh, called Innovative Education Consultants. Um, and within our consultancy, we run three schools. 
they used to be charter schools and have now become uh, special character schools. And we also provide um, consult consultancy services as well as um, education re resources for a range of other schools. So yeah, my spread is quite broad across Auckland and also across um, other parts of New Zealand. So I have my hand in sort of um, like the, the schooling environment, but the classroom environment, um, and the board environment as well. So I, I'm on another school board as well. Um, so yeah, I keep myself pretty busy. I love education. So um, you can get me talking about that and I won't stop. <laughs> I know. This is the thing that you and I talk about all the time. So we just, it's almost like we shouldn't go there. We'll go well over yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> education's been getting quite a bit of airtime. We mentioned in our introduction, we got to speak to Susie Cato over Easter weekend. And of course, that's just started all the stuff that they're doing um, in the kind of education the, the, space to sort of fill the gaps that lockdown is, yeah, is creating. Home learning television. Yes, yeah, yeah, interesting, interesting how, time. How is the landscape changing for you guys and how are you responding at the moment? Yeah, no, really good question. Um, initially, I must say that I feel like my job has become a IT uh, problem-solving sort of role. <laughs> uh, a lot of the conversations have really focused in on um, you know, technology and how we're best going to use it and sort of the panic around it um, and, you know, how we're going to use it as a communication tool and then a learning tool. Uh, so that's been really interesting because, you know, it really flips things for a lot of teachers. Usually yeah. they're used to um, building these um, collaborative um, relationships with students, um, which are built on, built on a lot of like trust and respect and, you know, it's highly relational within the classroom and then you turn to technology. Um, so there's been quite a lot of panic in that. Um, my, you know, even today, it was the very first day, um, Wednesday, um, the very, very first day that schools kicked off and I spent most of my time um, problem solving IT. <laughs> um, right. okay. But you know, that's necessary and that's yeah, important. Yeah. Um, but in that as well, I must say that I've been having some really interesting conversations uh, with various people around um, creating meaningful learning opportunities for students uh, and how you best do that when you know you can be so eager as a teacher or as a school to do things right and you know it's like we've never been here before so how can we do this well but also to be really mindful of the home environment as well yeah. um, okay. you know some of the schools that I work with we you know we actually can't find our students at the moment we don't know if they're <laughs> living um, in a bubble with the auntie or their nana or you know their friend um, so you know there's there's some challenges there um, but you know and then there's other families where we know that the families are together and it's a highly supportive environment but yeah mum and dad need to work too and the kids um, they share one device between four four of them um, so you know there's all those sort of challenges that come up yeah uh, so yeah I've, yeah it's been really good conversations really um, and you know that that big question of what next <laughs> where yeah, are we going yeah. um how can we make sure that there is meaningful learning opportunities across a year that could be quite fragmented mm. um how can we provide consistency um relationally as well as in terms of learning i mean we know ourselves as adults we learn best when 
um, you know, we have a bit of a structure, <laughs> a bit of a flow, you know, we feel settled, we, you know, life feels a bit predictable. Um, but, you know, when you've got young people where they're just trying to make sense of this new world that they live in, you know, where there's a lot to navigate there. Um, so, yeah, having some really interesting conversations around that. Um, and, I, yeah, I, I think it's a big time for schools. I think we've never, ever had a situation like this where all of a sudden we're all sitting in front of screens all day, um, yeah. you know, thinking about <laughs> learning and connection and communication and all of those things. It's a, it's a new, new territory, uh, a new place to be. Mm. Hey Bex, you said you're on um, you're on another school board as well, and I'm sure there's been um, a few other opportunities pop up over the years. Why have you chosen to spend your time um, on the Venn board? Um, well, actually, linking back to when I did the VVP, um, you know, one of the things that we uh, were asked to do um, throughout the you know the time that we were a part of the program. I was to think about the, you know, the vocation that we feel like God has called us to and to consider, you know, how we would uh, focus in or how we would uh, prioritise that in our lives, you know, in a, in a world where we can be pulled in so many different directions and be, you know, um, really busy. Um, and one thing that uh, I found myself um, really thinking through is the fact that one of the the threads that kind of threads everything together for me and the reason why I'm passionate about education is I'm really interested in the development of like emotional resilience in young people, but also spiritual res resilience. Mm. And so that leads me to when I was asked if I wanted to join the board, it kind of all made sense to me. I was like, actually, being is all about, you know, building um, resilient disciples of um, disciples, uh, you know, or building um, people who have this re resilient faith and this resilient um, spirituality that actually I wanted to be part of that. And I'm really interested in the care of people, the, the development of people, the formation of people. Mm. Um, That's cool. awesome, Bex. In the last edition of Common Ground, Mel Cooper, uh, who's on our staff, wrote a great piece about being in lockdown with her sister uh, and brother-in-law and their kids being sort of auntie in lockdown, and you're in a similar situation. Mm, I sure am, and I'm loving it, I have to say. Uh, yeah, I live with my younger brother, Andy, and his wife, uh, Kat, and their 17-month-old um, uh, little girl, Cara. And I have to say, it's a real special time. I really enjoyed reading um, Mal's piece as well last week, because there were quite a few things that resonated with me. Um, but one thing I was, yeah, I've just been thinking about, uh, even in reflection on my role as auntie, is just how it's such a privilege to uh, just be part of actually her rhythms and seeing the rhythms of a little child who's growing up and, you know, the growth and development that is taking place. Mm -hmm. um, I have to say my work stories have changed. My work stories used to be about all these students and all these young people that I was engaging with all the time. But my, now my work stories are about going um, on my daily walks with Cara and counting the number of ducks that we find. Thankfully, thankfully, because she's only 17 months, every form of bird is a duck. So yeah. <laughs> I, I remember oh, you that get a stage. Duck. You get a duck. You get a duck. I remember exactly. 
I might say goodness because otherwise she would be very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> that is so great. Yeah, and it, you know, it's, you know, so it's great times of laughter even at the dinner table. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Hey, Bex, thank you so much for joining us. Great. No, thank you for having me. It is quite exciting for us today to be chatting with somebody who is definitely a long-time friend of Venn, um, has done a whole bunch of teaching on the fellowship over the years, did the internship himself a very long time ago, um, and is also a very good friend of ours. Welcome to the show, John Fox. Hello, Julia. You're calling me middle-aged, aren't you? <laughs> well, look, <laughs> I'm not accusing you of anything that I'm not accusing myself of. The sad thing is it's true. <laughs> oh, and some days you just, you realise it, don't you? Well, fill out the, um, fill in the last decade of your middle age, John. What have you been doing since some people would have been taught by you, maybe going back eight, nine years ago? Yeah, so I finished up at Maxim slash Venn and went off to the English department to finish my doctoral study. And then halfway through doing that, I got pretty sick with chronic fatigue, so everything took a lot longer than I, I hoped it would. But in the middle of that time, I was called to the priesthood. I had the, all the storybook things, the dream in the night, um, the, the, the almost audible voice at 2 a.m. And so off I went to theological college, and I was ordained as an Anglican deacon, and I was ordained priest just about a year ago now. Wow. So I went through the discernment process in the Diocese of Auckland and a vain hope that they would say no and it turned out they didn't. Um, and I kicked and screamed and came up with all kinds of reasons why I couldn't do it and then finally I gave in. So I've moved home now to the parish of Sumner and Redcliffs, which is the beach suburb off the end of Christchurch, if anybody knows it. And I am doing my first curacy. So I've still got a little bit of training wheels on, but I can do all the priestly things. And I'm spending half my day with the vulnerable elderly and the other half doing youth stuff. Wow, that's wow. a great mixture. That's awesome, John. Good friend of yours too and staff member here, Andrew Shamey. John has been known to say, if you hear from God really clearly, it's because you're going to need it. Sounds <laughs> like that might have been the case for you in the calling. <laughs> yes, at, at least every two weeks I look around the Anglican church seriously. Um, but I really did have an extremely clear experience of call. And so I can't scared out of going, no, this is my calling. These are my people. And 80% of the time, my parish is extraordinary. They're beautiful people. They're praying people. They're kind people. And they're neighborly people. And those are all of my favorite things. So what's happening in terms of church for you over this lockdown? Um, well, we're doing church online the same way as everybody else, but the, the trouble with being a parish Anglican over a Holy Week is that you can't do any of the communal Easter things. I mean, usually Anglican services focus in on Holy Week and we walk through the week with Jesus and we've been trying to find ways of doing that, you know, um, Good, Good Friday, Last Supper, um, all the way through to the joy of Easter, all the all the difficulty and the joy, um, online with a parish that's only imperfectly tech literate, that's a, a really beautiful challenge. So we've been doing Zoom the same way as everybody else. 
Um, we've been writing blogs on the church webpage. We've been putting out paper newsletters. I've revived writing letters, which I know sounds like a discipline from before the ark, but we're doing everything we can to continue to celebrate the joy of Easter and also to share with each other the pains of isolation. I think one of the great graces of, Easter, of the Easter season is that you can't skate away from grief. And it's a beautiful thing to be experiencing grief and its solution at the same time as it's becoming extremely obvious the whole world is hurting. We all know what isolation and desertion feel like now. We all feel the fragility of our own lives. We all miss our friends and our community, and I'm, I'm certainly missing mine at the moment, but we find new ways of joy and hope, and God is still God, and Jesus is still risen, and in the parish of Sumner and Redcliffe, we keep saying that, um, even if the whole rest of the world is stopped, East is carrying on, and so are we. Mm. That's great, John. Um... You were saying to me earlier today that you had uh, someone in their 90s in your parish Zooming online for the first time. She is not 90. That's the youth wing. Mrs. Mary Brackenbury is, in fact, 105. <laughs> um, You're... We've made a really conscious Jackie. effort not to leave out people who don't have internet. Uh, I, I think I have a whole new value for community and, and for all the bits of it. Um, we are going to have such a party when we're back together again. And that's a, a really beautiful thing to know and a really beautiful thing to hold on to in this difficult time. John, you were also saying that your your area of study, your PhD, has never seemed more relevant than now. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Everybody, including you, Sam, make jokes about the fact that I studied 17th century poetry. And that's basically God, sex and death. <laughs> um, and and half of it is in Latin, and you know it, it looks supremely irrelevant until everyone gets the plague. Yes, <laughs> which is yes. what we and and in Christian history the plague was quite common, and so things like the fragility of life, um, the the importance of spiritual values and holding on to God, um, the pains of being sick by yourself. Um, the community that you build around in a place where people are ill, all of these things I have a language and a category for, and I'm really, really smug just now, um, <laughs> because a whole bunch of the stuff that I studied has actually come alive. Yes. Uh, the biblical idea that life is really brief, um, that springs out and it's cut down, the, the idea that you've only got a very short time to make an impact, the idea that your choices really matter, the idea that the vulnerable really matter, these are all things that we're living at a deeper level now. Yes. And I think even though COVID is, is really difficult for the people who are sick and the people who are dying, especially if they have to die by themselves, it's also an opportunity for us to come back to the limits, to embrace again an idea of what it means to be human as someone who depends on others, who depends on God, who borrows things and doesn't own them. You know, this idea that we can make all the choices we want and have anything we want, and we've got a standard of living that will never go away. Hmm. Well, we've seen how fragile that is. The whole world is stopped because of a little tiny micro. Um, and I think that's, 
it's a it's a great opportunity for us to to come back to to lowliness and littleness and to offer ourselves and what we have to God uh, in in a way that that up until hundred years ago would have been the rule. Mm. Mm. Um, it, we we seem to think that we're in charge of everything. And that also makes people really tired because they think they have to fix everything. And actually to have a moment where the world is obviously so much bigger than we are, uh, where can we go but to the Lord? Uh, and I really hope that this is, this is a moment where family prayer might come back. I'm delighted to be seeing all my clergy colleagues saying their morning and night prayers on Zoom. Um, I'm praying more than I ever have in my bubble. Um, and no Christian who can pray is ever alone. Um, one, of the, one of the church fathers had, wrote a, a treatise about whether Christians should say I or we. And he said, even if you're a hermit, and I'm talking about pillar, even if you're by yourself, for Christian people, it's always we. Because we have the church, and we have Jesus, and we have the saints. And we have them whether they're physically present or not. So I'm still a member of the church. I'm still a member of my parish. I'm still loved by God. Jesus is still risen. God is still God. And I am offering what I have and the difficulties and doubts and, and joys of this day to God. And I think that's what give us this day our daily bread really means. And we're all learning that at a, at a at a deeper level now. John, we're going to have to close this episode with an altar call if you keep going uh, like this. This is well, you push the button, just great. Son. It's really great. John, before we go, can I just ask how you're doing? Who's in your bubble? Me, my uh, my ironing pile next to his dog, and occasionally Stephen Woodmart, who may even be listening to this. Um, I am in good heart. Um, physically things are rough um, we're all I mean isolation is genuinely painful um, but my community is strong um, the Venn crew that I love um, and have walked with me for the last decade will not go away and have not gone away do they keep they they keep bugging you yeah uh, we good. Skype we write each other letters we, we text we call Good. We're living in an age which, uh, in which virtual community is exploding, and that's a wonderful thing. Um, I have the best brothers and the best friends in the world, and the fact that half of them are in Auckland is inconvenient, but um, we make it work in a way that we're all having to now. So I'm, I'm in good heart. That's good to hear. It's so fantastic to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Always a pleasure. I love you both. Bye. And finally, once again, it's great to be chatting to Olivia Byrne. Hey, Liv. Hey, Sam. Hey, Jules. How are you doing? Pretty well. We're doing well. How's your lockdown going? How's the last week been? Great, actually. Um, I don't know if Nathan might be on the same page as me on this one. We're both... ENFJs on Myers-Briggs and so when we're 
in our own bubble getting work done it's probably the best feeling ever so there's no distractions very few meetings it's uh it's been a productive week so it's um i'm quite enjoying lockdown i also don't have any children so you you know that helps just secretly praying for lockdown just to be bumped out like five six who needs to see anyone (laughs) (laughs) what's coming up in common ground this week well, this week uh, we've got a pretty interesting week of content. Um, the theme is a, kind of around this, the idea of paying attention to what's going on in the world around you, what's going on in uh, the creation around you, what's going on in yourself. Um, and a lot of our articles are kind of centered around that, um, that theme. So with that in mind, we've got a piece coming through from Nathan McClellan on paying attention. Cool. We'll also be getting Rachel Kitchens writing a piece on a book called The Liturgy of the Ordinary and reflecting on what um, what life kind of looks like on the ground when you're kind of living out the mundanity, ordinariness of life. Yes, that's a great book. We've also got Kat Belcher, who is on maternity leave at the moment, but she's um, come back up for a moment to do a piece on the daily examine for our weekly practice. Great. Um, and then finally, there's a, we've got a photo essay coming through from Melody Cooper, who's on staff at Venn. Um, we'll hear from Justin and Vicky Thurkle, who are alumni from our vocational program in Wellington. And uh, I will actually be writing this week's staff note. So oh. it's going to be going to be a fun week. So stay wow. tuned. Yeah, that sounds great, man. I have been really enjoying reading The Common Ground. And from what I hear, everybody is loving it. Oh, that's so good to hear. I mean, it, everyone puts in a lot of work and the articles are really um really thoughtfully written and carefully edited. And um, so if people are enjoying it, then that means it makes it feel a lot more worth worthwhile, you know? Yeah. Worth staying <laughs> totally. in lockdown for another eight weeks for I live. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Getting things ticked off that list. I'll write a letter awesome. to Jacinda. Yeah, yeah, do that. <laughs> Thanks, I mate. Liv, thank you. We'll talk to you again next week. Have a good one. Thank you, guys. Talk to you later. Well, that's it. Another week gone. That is another week of Venn Lockdown Radio. Nothing left to say except see you later. See you, see you later. It's time to say goodbye. See you, see you later. I've really got to fly. So see you, see you later. It's time for us to end. See you, see you later. I'll be back again. Kakite, see you later. I hope you've had some fun. In Ohora, I'm leaving. I've really got to run. So see you, see you later. It's time for us to end. See you, see you later. I'll be back again. So long. See ya. In Ohora. Goodbye, my friends.